Amen. Stan and Phil, thank you. I don't know how they memorized all that, but they got it all in. I believe, I can't even say it, I don't think. I believe he rose again and is coming back for me, right? I remember that much. And we do believe that, don't we? Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Children's Church, we've got good folks in the back. They're going to take you children downstairs and have a great time of Bible study with you and, and fun. So head to the back and they'll take you downstairs. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that uh, we don't have to be blown about thrown about by every wind of doctrine, every new fad, every new idea that comes along, we can know what we believe based on the authority of your word. And we know there is no other sure word other than the Bible. And so thank you for giving us the written word that brings us to the living word, Jesus. And we pray that today as we open his pages and let you speak to us that it will be very clear to us what you wanted to do with the Gospel of John. And what you wanted it to produce in the life of every person who reads it and understands it. We thank you so much for inspiring it, for protecting it, for bringing it down into our hands today. And Lord, we thank you that all over this world there are Christians who are opening the Bible and letting you speak to them. Help us to continue to share the Bible with people. We know if, if your word can get into the hands and hearts of people, then your spirit will take that and do a mighty work. And so we pray you'll do that right here in this room today. Bless our children and those who are leading them in Children's Church. We just pray you'll use this hour now to draw us to yourself. And may your will be done. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to John chapter 20 this morning. For a few moments, we're going to look at verses 30 and 31. Verse 31 that we uh, read together earlier is the theme verse for Vacation Bible School this year. But verse 30 goes with it. And we're going to think about these two verses together. John chapter 20. So this is near the end of the Gospel of John, the next to last chapter. It's after the resurrection. And so we see in verse 30, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Two very interesting verses. John, the writer of the Gospel of John, led by the Lord here, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to write this statement as he nears the end of his gospel, he wants people to understand that he has not, uh, he, God hasn't led him to write a comprehensive or an exhaustive account of every single thing Jesus ever did during his ministry on earth. He says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And so the Bible here 
is written for a particular reason, isn't it? And this is where people get hung up sometimes. They try to turn the Bible into a science book. They try to turn the Bible into a history book. And they, they'll find something and they'll say, well, it's not recorded in the Bible, but we know this actually happened in history, so the Bible must be fake. It must be wrong. No, the Bible never claims that every single thing that ever happened in the history of the world is written down in the Bible. It doesn't ever say that. But what we need to know for life and godliness, to have eternal life and to be the people of God, what we need is recorded in the pages of Scripture as God inspired it to be written. And when the Bible speaks to something historical or scientific, we believe by faith that the Bible is true. And many times the Bible has over time been proven to not be quite as off as people think it is. It's not off at all. Sometimes history and science has not caught up to the Bible. Because God in his wisdom gave us what we need to know. And so you can trust the Bible as being the authoritative, inspired, perfect word of God. It is what God wants you to have. And sometimes we will fully grasp and understand what the Scripture is saying. Sometimes it's beyond us. But God is beyond us. And would we expect anything different if we believe it was inspired by God? Of course not. And John wants the readers of his gospel to understand. He hasn't in this gospel tried to record everything Jesus did. He said there are so many other things. But, notice the important statement in verse 31. But these, what's these? What he's written in his gospel. The signs that he gave in the scripture, in the gospel of John. These are written that you may believe. And so God very specifically inspired and led John to write what he wrote so that in the reading of the scripture, we might be brought to the point of faith, the point of belief. Martin Lloyd-Jones called this the gospel of belief. And throughout the gospel of John, you see this great emphasis that what is recorded, the miracles, and there are seven of them, seven primary miracles that John records in the Gospel of John. They are all designed to bring us to the point of belief, faith, because God is not just trying to pour information into us. He's trying to change our lives. And the Scripture is used by God not just to make us smarter or more informed or more intelligent, the, the gospel, the Bible, is inspired that we might come to the point of decision. That we might have an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. The theme of Bible school is amazing encounters with Jesus. And that's where the idea of in the wild comes from. The theme of being out in the wild. You never know what you're going to encounter. Amazing things take place. Well, it's all bringing it back to Jesus and the amazing things that he did, the amazing things that he said in order that people might be brought to faith. The disciples 
for three years were blessed to have Jesus pour his life into them. They ate with him. They traveled with him. They saw what he did. Max Lucado said, Our belief in God is not blind faith. Belief is having a firm conviction something is true, not hoping it's true. And these disciples came to have a firm conviction because they experienced the power of Jesus Christ. And you can experience his power too. These are written, the recorded works of Jesus. The disciples recorded some of the many works of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look over one more chapter, John 21, 25, he adds to this in the very last verse of the gospel of the gospel of John. He says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so John, I'm sure it was, he was led by the Holy Spirit to write what he did, but there were so many other things he was thinking about too that he saw and that he heard and that he experienced. But what we have is what we need to have. And we need to have it to bring us to the point of faith, decision. It must be a personal encounter with Jesus. The encounters with Jesus are recorded for the purpose of belief, to produce faith. These are written that you may believe. What? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so the core of the gospel, the good news, is that we put our faith and trust in Jesus as God himself, the Son of God who came to give his life for us. And when you give your life to him and receive him into your life, then you have life in his name. Eternal life, life everlasting. What God inspired John to write, John uses the word sign many times to describe the miracles that he recorded. The word sign describes a miracle with a message. He used the word sign because each miracle that Jesus performed had a purpose. It was not a performance to impress a crowd. Now, there were those that tried to take it as a performance. And human beings, we crave a circus atmosphere, don't we? We crave the performance. But Jesus wasn't performing. Jesus was giving a sign. Every time he did a miracle, he was helping someone, meeting a need, but also pointing beyond that specific instance to a greater need that he can meet. And all of the signs, the seven signs in the Gospel of John indicate that to us. Someone has said that John uses believe, the word believe, 97 times in his Gospel. And so uh, if we need to see what the focus was, it's pretty clear. Believe in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. The word believe means to put your whole trust in or on someone or something. That's the word that is used. And so to believe in Jesus is not just to believe that he existed, but it's you saying, Lord, I'm putting my life in your hands. 
I'm believing in you. I'm trusting upon you. And now I am going to give my life to you. And when we do that, we have life everlasting. Now these signs were intended to bring home the proof of the deity of Jesus. Theologically, when we talk about the deity of Jesus, it means that he was God. That he was God himself. And that's how the Gospel of John starts out, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then all of the signs throughout the Gospel of John were to drive home that truth. And if we believe that about Jesus, then we put our faith in Him. Why would you put your faith in Him if He's not divine, if He's not God? You don't put your faith in a man. You shouldn't. No matter how smart he is, no matter what a great speaker or teacher he might be, you should put your faith only in the perfect place, in a perfect person. And Jesus is God who became a man. And he is worthy of our faith. John here records seven miracles that Jesus performed. And I've listed those on the outline you have there. Now, you're a brave bunch. When you saw that, you didn't run out of the church building. I am not going to preach on all of those passages, okay? That'd be a whole nother sermon series someday, maybe. We went through the Gospel of John a few years ago, actually. But I'm just going to run through them briefly and just point out what the sign was trying to accomplish. The first of those signs, the miracle of turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This miracle represented the power of Jesus to change a sinner's life into a new creation. He could take something that was empty or lacking, something that was old, and bring about something that is brand new. This beginning of miracles, it was called the beginning of miracles in John 2.11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples, what? Believed on him. That sign produced belief. The second one, John 4.43-54, the miracle of healing the official's son. This was a nobleman's son. And Jesus, this is where Jesus spoke the word of healing. And the man believed Jesus. And when he was on his way home, he got word that his son was already healed. Just because Jesus spoke the word. And he had put his belief, his trust in Jesus. That if he would just say the word, that his son would be healed. And that's exactly what happened. The result of this miracle is stated in verse 53 of John 4. The nobleman believed and his whole house. Salvation came to this man and to his family because of this sign that Jesus performed. He proved he was able to heal the sick from a distance. Not just to heal, but to heal in such a miraculous way they had to know only God could do something like this. The third sign or miracle, John 5, 1 through 9, the miracle of healing the paralyzed man, the paralytic. The man had been a cripple for 38 years, and Jesus healed him. And just like Jesus healed that man, Jesus can take 
human beings who are destroyed by sin. And he can take us and make us whole. He can make us well. There is nothing that is beyond the power of Jesus to accomplish. And so in your life or in the life of somebody that you know and love, if you think they are so far beyond repair that there's nothing that can ever change their life or restore their life, Jesus can do it. He has the power to do it. It doesn't mean that he can erase everything that they've ever done, but he can erase their sin. He can forgive their sin. They may still live with consequences on this earth, but they can be forgiven. And God can transform their heart and give them a new life. He can give them eternal life. There's nothing that is beyond his power. In John 5, 17, my father works hitherto, it says in the King James, and I work. And in verse 18, very importantly, it says the Jews understood that Jesus was making himself equal with God. So they understood that in these signs, these miracles Jesus was doing, that it was not just the act of healing a particular person, but it was demonstrating who he was, that he is God himself. And they were terrified at that because he was not what they were looking for. He was a threat to their control, to their power, to their agenda, to their way of life. And Jesus will disrupt, but he will change your life for the good. Don't be afraid of the power of Jesus to disrupt your life, to alter your life. Because you're not going to lose anything compared to what you're going to gain. Don't be afraid of what Jesus can do. And then the fourth of those signs, John 6, 1 to 14, the miracle of feeding the 5,000. This is recorded in all four of the Gospels. A multitude had followed Jesus up into a mountain. The Bible says there were 5,000 men. And that would be plus the women and the children. And Jesus, of course, took almost no food at all. Just a tiny amount of food brought by a little boy. And he turned it into enough, didn't he? Jesus, in doing so, wasn't just saying, I can feed people. As wonderful and important as it is to feed people and help with the physical needs of people. He was saying, I am the bread of life. And if anybody comes to me, they'll never be hungry again, spiritually. I can give you what will make you a living person. And you don't ever have to be afraid of life or death or eternity. And then the fifth of the miracles, walking on the water. He came to them walking on the water, John 6, 16 to 25. The disciples had worked and labored all night long, only to row about halfway across the Sea of Galilee. And then they saw the Lord walking on the water toward them. And Jesus calmed their fear during the storm. And once Jesus was in the boat, they were immediately to the other side. Remember that story? Jesus demonstrated his power over nature itself. And the lesson, of course, is that when we struggle in life, Jesus is there with us. And when he gets in the boat with you, you don't have to be afraid. No matter how much the wind may be howling about you, 
He can take away whatever you're afraid of. And he can make you go through the storm and bring you safely to the other side. And then the sixth sign or miracle, John 9, 1 through 41. He healed the man born blind, a man born blind from birth. Jesus made some mud and put it on his eyes and told him to go wash it off. And when the man did as he was instructed, he was healed. But he also found opposition from the religious leaders of Israel because they didn't like Jesus. They didn't care that the man had been healed miraculously, that his life had been made better. That was the last thing they were concerned about. It was all about themselves. They were a bunch of narcissists. All they cared about was me, my, and I. And so this man, healed by the power of Jesus, he went and did what Jesus said. And then Jesus went and found him because he knew that he had been rejected by these religious people, these religious leaders. He went and found him and he said to him, Do you believe? There's that word again. Do you believe on the Son of God? And the man said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said, It is he who is talking with you. And the man responded, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He went and he personally found that man. And helped him come to the point of belief. Jesus is coming to you. If you've not given your life to Jesus like that. You've not believed in him and trusted him with your life. He is coming to you personally today. Through the pages of scripture. And he is asking you. Do you believe? Do you believe? In the son of God. And I hope your answer is Lord I believe. There is life in his name. Sinners are spiritually blind. And Jesus opens the eyes of those who are sinful. That's all of us. So that we can see the truth. And be set free. And then the seventh sign. It's hard not to preach on these, isn't it? As you go through them. The seventh sign, John 11, 1 through 44. The miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. You remember Lazarus being raised from the dead, don't you? They sent word to Jesus, his sisters, the Lazarus sisters sent word to Jesus. Our brother is sick. Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Please, Lord, come and heal him. And Jesus did what? He rushed right out the door and went right down there. No, he waited. He waited several days. And Lazarus died. And so when Jesus heard that he had died, he wept. Because he loved Lazarus. He loved those sisters of Lazarus. And when he went, they weren't too happy with him. They said, Lord, didn't you get the news that our brother was sick? Why didn't you come? Have you ever felt like that? Lord, why didn't you stop this from happening? Why did you let this happen? Well, because Jesus wanted people to believe. And so he raised Lazarus from the dead. And in so doing, he demonstrated that he had power over physical death. But he also has power over spiritual death, doesn't he? And he was about to go to the cross and die 
for our sins. He entered into death for us. And in rising from the dead, not to die again, but eternally risen from the dead, he now can deliver us from the power of death and hell. Anyone who will believe upon his name. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? And so those are the seven signs. And then following chapter 11, you get into the rest of the book of John, which really covers the last week of Jesus' life, most of the rest of those chapters. Because Jesus himself now would be the the great sacrifice, the sign, as it were, his own body, his own blood poured out that we might have eternal life. He was going to fulfill all of the seven signs that he'd already done. And in perfect fulfillment, in his own person, in his own death, in his own resurrection, Jesus would make a way for us to go to heaven to have life everlasting. And so Jesus is the one that we must believe in. And finally, you must have your own encounter. These are great encounters with Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. But have you had an encounter with Jesus? Because notice it says in verse 31 that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life, may have life in his name. It's not just this generic group out there. Jesus died for you. And he rose again for you. And now he wants you to believe in him, to trust him. You'll never be sorry that you trusted in Jesus. I know that you may, some of you have come from other backgrounds And other experiences in life. And you may have held back from giving your life to Jesus. Because you're feeling like well I can't turn my back on my family. I can't turn my back on what my grandfather believed. Or on what my mother believed. Or didn't believe. Don't let any of that keep you from Jesus. Don't let any of that. Don't let anything keep you. From doing what is most important. Because Jesus came for you. Won't you give your life to him? Won't you believe in him and trust in him? That's what he he came for. And that's what he wants more than anything today. That in believing, you may have life in his name. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we thank you. You didn't leave us in despair. You didn't leave us helpless and hopeless. But you came for us. We didn't deserve that. We don't deserve that. But your love was so great, you came anyway. Lord, if there's someone here this morning... Who needs to believe in you? It's time. They've heard this many times. They've read it for themselves. And now it's time to believe, to trust, 
May this be the moment that they're willing to say, Jesus, I do believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you're the son of God. And I trust you. And we know that that such profound and yet simple act. Your promise is true. That we will have life in your name. Lord, we're going to sing this song and we pray that you'll move among us. And if there's someone now who needs to step out and say, I believe. I'm giving my life to Jesus. May this be that moment for them. And we'll rejoice as you lead us. Whatever decisions you lay upon our heart to do, may we now be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.